You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So guys, uh, we're actually in a series right now called Good News. We call it Good News uh, because that's the, the word God used when he talks about what the story of Jesus is for this world. It's good news. It's the gospel. In the Greek word, we get the word evangelism from. Today we're going to talk about one of the most genius, diabolical, satanic attacks that could ever happen in your life. Uh, how It's genius and satanic how Satan uses your sincerity and your hard work and your desire to be good against you. I mean, it's genius. And, um, and it's satanic. So we're going to talk about that. So today, it was a couple weeks ago, we started with um, what is the gospel? And we went to 1 Corinthians 15 and talked about the core message of the good news of Jesus. And then last week, we talked about uh, have you received the gospel? Because, you know, you, uh, just because you're uh, and I do want to welcome you guys in Olathe, the venue online, the auditorium. Just because you're engaging, it's one of my, one of my fears, is that, and I know it's going to happen, that there will be people, part of the Grace Church community, who we will discover someday, never receive the gospel. And it just, it kills me on the inside. I know it's going to happen. Um, so, have you received the gospel? This week is, are you living the gospel? So I'll ask you the question. This is like every day after you receive the gospel, it happens at a point in time. Are you living the gospel? Every day, today. How about just today? Are you living the gospel? So there are three possible answers you could have to that question. Answer number one, yes. Yes, I am living the gospel. Dude, I am totally, I am living in the gospel. Absolutely. No. I am not living the gospel. There's no way I'm living the gospel. I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Three possible answers. So let me phrase it a different way. Here's a different way to ask that same question. Are you living the gospel today? Am I living by I should or by I believe? Which is your gospel you're living today if you receive Christ? The gospel of I should. I mean, I should do this. I should do this. I'm just such a failure. I got to stop doing that. I got to start doing that. The gospel of I should is that you were saved by grace. But now you've got to do things because God's not happy with you. You're a continual disappointment to God. You're always letting God down. You've got to try harder tomorrow. That's the gospel of I should. It's a false gospel. It's genius. Satan uses our efforts, desire to be good and succeed against us to have us turn away from God. But the gospel of I believe starts in a different place. It's not about, it doesn't start with me. God promised this, and God promised that. God said he loves me. God offers grace to me. God says I'm in relationship with him. I believe. That's where the, God, the true gospel starts today. Are you living the gospel? It starts with you believing what God said about himself, how he feels about you, how he views you, what he's done for you, what he offers for you. It starts with I believe. Which gospel do you live? Are you living the gospel? I believe is the gospel of grace offered to you, no matter what you do. I should, the gospel of failure, the gospel of I've got to do this, I've got to do. We're going to talk about that today. What does it look like to live the gospel? And so let's pray, because if you don't have Christ, 
you probably are not going to understand a word I'm talking about. Um, and I get that. So I just hope you get your message is God offers you grace and he wants you to receive him. If you get that, that's awesome. For others of us who have received Christ, we need the spirit to speak to us, to show us what this means. So let's pray. God, I thank you for, for the gospel the good news of Christ. And today I ask you help us to see if we're living the gospel, what that looks like to live the gospel, to live by the gospel of I believe, not I should. So I pray you'd move in our midst. I pray that you would, if people don't know Jesus and don't understand a word I'm talking about, beyond just God loves them and offers them grace and relationship through Christ, help them to see that. For those of us who have Christ as Savior, help us to see which gospel we are living today. And help us to not even feel guilty about it, because when we feel guilty about it, beat ourselves up, we're back in the old I should. Set us free to believe you in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1, 2, and 3. And so I'll tell you the background of Galatians. Galatians is one of the letters that Paul wrote to churches because he was starting so many churches and he couldn't be everywhere. He'd hear things. So Galatia is located in, a, in the area that you hear in the news all the time. The capital of Turkey is Ankara. And when you hear Ankara, the, the capital of Turkey, the Turkish people, that's Galatia. That and leading up kind of north and, and east into the hills. So that's the area of these churches that were started right there. And mostly they're filled with people like me who are not Jewish. I don't have a Jewish background. My family didn't keep the Sabbath. They attend, uh, you know, synagogue. Most of them were similar like me. They weren't Jews either. But there were some Jewish believers. And they came into the church. And they said, don't you believe the Bible? Because there was no New Testament. They had no New Testament. Their Bible was the Hebrew Bible. And they would say, listen, you, the Bible says you ought to be circumcised. Dude, have you been circumcised? You can't, the Bible, Bible says, the Bible says you have to keep the Sabbath. Why are you working on Saturday morning? They put all, it's the false gospel is Jesus plus something. Jesus plus, you got to get baptized. Jesus plus, got to keep the Ten Commandments. Jesus plus, you got to be uh, uh, speaking tongues. Jesus plus, you got to be good. Jesus plus, you got to, whatever it is. Jesus, you don't have it until you do something else. I should. So let's uh, pick up the story here in verse 6. What was Paul? By the way, this is the only letter Paul wrote by hand. He's so upset. He, it says in chapter 6, I'm writing this with my own hand. Like, like he's so upset. Verse 6. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him. When you turn to the gospel of I should, you are turning away from God himself. He said, I'm shocked how fast it happens. Frankly, by the way, I'm shocked how fast it happens in my soul. I turn sometimes for the gospel of, I believe. That's why I should. I marvel how fast it happens. I marvel, he says, you're turning away so soon from him who called you, you, in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He says, I'm shocked how fast it happens. You see, the grace of Christ is the true gospel. The grace of Christ, the word grace even means unearned, undeserved, you can't lose it. Unearned love. It had nothing to do with you. Undeserved forgiveness. Total and complete. You can't lose this relationship. You're a, a sheep in his flock. You're a friend in his family. You're, you're a child in his family, a friend of the king. These are relationships you can't lose. That is grace. It's not related to what you did or don't did. Uh, don't do. 
That is really, all the English teachers and grammarians are dying right now. But I believe our name is Grace Church, which is not Law Church. So shoot me some grace, because God did. Uh, so he says, it's, it's actually turning away. So which one do you live? Are you living by, I should, I should. I got to get better. I got to try harder. It's hard in our culture. Our culture is built around effort. What kind of grade you get, you get what you deserve. What was your test score? You get what you deserve. Hey, did you, what chair in that band? What, what, are you the starter on that team? Like, everything is based on, did you seal that deal? Did you make it into that club? Did you make it into that university? Everything's based on what you do. Our whole culture is built around effort, not grace, which is why it's so hard. We're, we're deceived constantly. Verse 7 says, this gospel, this different gospel is not purely another. It means that they still have the name Jesus. It's so subtle. It's Jesus plus something. Like, if it wasn't Jesus, that'd be easy to see, but it's Jesus plus blank. In this case, they were saying Jewish laws, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Pervert is the reverse, to turn the gospel back to the old system of works, of trying hard. And what happens in your soul when you believe this false gospel? Your soul is troubled. Let me just describe the state of a soul of somebody who's gone from the gospel of grace, turning away from God. And by the way, it doesn't mean you're leaving God. He's not going anywhere. You realize you can turn away from someone, be in the same room, distance yourself. They're right there. You're not, he's not going anywhere. God's not going anywhere. You, can, you turned away from him. There's relational distance, but he's not going anywhere. The state, I, I looked up the word in Greek, the word for troubled. Does this sound like your soul ever? Here's, here's the state of a troubled soul because of this false, I should, I should, I should. It says troubled. Shaking. It literally means shaken on the inside. Disturbed. Unsettled. Agitated. See, the gospel of I should leaves your soul in a state of always feeling like a failure, always letting God down, always a disappointment to him. You got to try harder. You got to do better. You got to fix this. You got to stop that. God is this big rule maker, and you're the failure who never lives up. In verse 8 and 9, Paul uses the, very, the strongest words possible to put a curse on himself, angels, and anybody who preaches a false gospel. He says, verse 8 and 9, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That word accursed in Greek is anathema, separated from God. He says it twice because it's such a big curse. When you repeat something twice, God repeats it. It's a really big deal. As we have said before, verse 9, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel, whether it's not Jesus, another gospel, or it's Jesus plus something, then what you've received, let him be accursed. It is the strongest language possible. It's the one letter. He says, give me the pen and give me the ink. I'm not dictating this to anybody. I want to write this myself, chapter 6. You see how large a letter I'm writing with my own hand. Like, their grace has been stolen from them. And they have turned from God, and their soul is troubled. Now, here's the actual thing going on in Galatia, that area in central Turkey, central and northern Turkey, the area of Galatia. It's chapter 2, verse 14. They're, they're the J- Jews who've been set free from the law are living with freedom, but they're making Gentiles keep the law that they've, they've been set free from. So this, this is a story Paul tells about calling Peter out in a big group. He doesn't take him one-on-one. 
There's no one-on-one private conversation. Paul calls Peter out in a big old group. Look at this. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, before them all, there's no private conversation in this moment, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as a Jews, he says, Peter, I, I see you have some bacon on your BLT now. And I saw you're working on, on Friday night and Saturday morning. And Peter, I saw you're hanging out. You're living like the Gentiles. You're set free. He goes on. If you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles, not as Jews, why? Why do you compel? Why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? That's the heart of this false gospel in the Galatian church. That they were all thinking they had to obey the Jewish law. It was so they did set free Gentiles. I am set free from sin. I've got grace. My relationship with God is based on its unearned love, undeserved forgiveness, a, a relationship that can never be reversed. It, I'm in relationship with Him. I'm a part of His body. I'm His bride. I'm His son. I'm His daughter. Oh no, that's not good enough. I, I gotta get circumcised. I gotta. I, I, I worked on the law last week. On, on the Sabbath last week. I got to keep this law. I actually, did I actually go touch a pig or a pigskin? I, I continually feel like not good enough. So chapter three. Chapter three, Paul calls them fools twice. And it's a word that means you don't understand grace. You did understand grace, but now you've, you've been deceived, tricked back uh, to go back. Galatians three, verse one. He says, oh, foolish Galatians. They're not, un, not thinking about grace, not understanding grace, not remembering grace. They've gone back from, I believe, I should, I've got to, I've got to stop, I've got to start, I've got to try. Who has bewitched you? Well, our culture continually bewitches us in that it's about your efforts. That you should not obey the truth, which is believing the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Remember the story of the cross he's saying? Who tricked you into thinking you had anything to do with your acceptance? That if you receive God's grace and his forgiveness and his love, you've been set free, brought into relationship. Who tricked you into thinking now you have to re-earn love, acceptance, joy, these kinds of things? Verse 2. This, on, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit? He asked them to think back to the day they received Christ, the day they were saved. For me, I was 19 years old. I remember that day. You may not remember that day, but as long as you know that you had that day, that's all that matters. He says, remember, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, by doing something, or by the hearing of faith, by believing something? Was it do? Or belief. Let's go to our little example over here. These two, um, these two lanterns represent uh, two types of people. Both of these are empty at this point. They neither one have the Holy Spirit. They're both lost. They're both trying to please God or, frankly, not trying to please God. They're both empty inside. Their sins are still on them. They're empty. This is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Trinity is one being, Deuteronomy says, but three persons. There's the Father who is in charge and invisible. There's the Son, who's the visible part of God, who shows us who God is at the right hand of God, praying for us right now, praying for me, praying for you, uh, wherever you're at. There's the Holy Spirit. This represents the Holy Spirit. Look around you right now. Everywhere is the Holy Spirit. He is here. 
the creator of the universe, the power of resurrection is around us all the time. So Paul says, remember the day you got saved. Did you get saved because you tried really hard? I worked so hard. God says, congratulations. Kind of like a trophy. You did it. I'm so proud of you. No, I'm related to you. You believe the truth. You believed you were a sinner. You believe God loves you. You believe Jesus came for you. You believe he offers grace to you you don't deserve. You believe that he rose again. And in that belief, the hearing of faith, the moment you believed, a miracle happens. The Holy Spirit comes inside your soul. You receive the Spirit, not by the works of the law, but by the hearing of faith. So he asks a follow-up question in verse 3. He says, have you gone back to the old system that never worked? He says, verse 3, are you so foolish not remembering, understanding grace? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Okay, so if you've begun in the spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit of God, did you get tricked into going back to some old system of I should? This is the system of I believe first. This is the system I should I should. By the way, that phrase, being made perfect, uh, talks about being finished. Are you, are you being finished by your flesh? Hey, God, I know you saved me by faith. I got it from here. I'll take it from here. That's the false gospel. So let me ask you some follow-up questions to see which one is your gospel. And it goes back to how you view yourself and God. Which are you more like? Let's start over here. Do you believe that God is more like a giver of rules. He's a rule maker, a commander. Or is he more like a lover of your soul? Which is more like your view of God? He's a rule giver that says, shut up and do what I say. And maybe I'll be happy with you. And you fail me constantly. Or I love you. Which is more of your view of God? This is the I should. This is I believe. Another question. Do you think God, do you feel God is continually disappointed in you? You constantly disappoint him. Or do you feel God continually delights in you? You're constantly a source of delight for, he, for him. Which is more your view of God? This is the I should. That is the disappointment path. This is, I believe, what he actually said about you. That you're a source of delight. One more. Do you obey out of a sense of duty and obligation? God said it, so I should shut up and do what he says, because that's what God says to do, and I'm going to obey that. Or do you obey knowing you don't have to? You've been set free. You obey because you can, because you love, and you don't have to, but you love it. Why, why, why do you obey? Two, two verses to write down. This brings up two important questions. Follow up. Uh, you can write down. These are really important verses. John 6, 29 and 1 Corinthians 15, 10. John 6, 29. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. John 6, 29. Jesus has asked, what can I do that I can work the works of God? I want to work God's work. What do I do? John 6, 29. Jesus says, well, you know, the hardest work, dude, is to believe. Like the true gospel continually says, my hardest work is to believe the truths that God has said. Then the follow-up question comes, okay, so you're just saying I don't have to work hard at all, I don't have to do anything, that's always the pendulum swing. So you're saying that works don't matter. Nope. Uh, That's 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Paul beautifully puts it. He says, 
by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's saying, everything I am, I received. By the way, that's true about you. Nothing you have and nothing you are, you generated from nothing. Everything you got, you owe it to God. Anything good, anything skill, anything. By the grace of God, I am what I am. He starts with believing the truth. Then he says, an amazing statement, I work harder than anyone. Read it. There's a role for working hard. After you believe, you work harder than anyone. But he says the source of that power. He then says, well, it's not me doing the work. It's the grace of God in me doing the work. He even knows that he's working harder than anybody, but none of it was powered by him. The source of it, it's like, what is the source of your confidence? Is it you, the source of your confidence? Or is it the grace of God? Is it the spirit of God, the source of your confidence? Why is this a problem? Verse 10, because if you're under the old system of rules, you constantly feel like a failure. You're under law. And all the law does is tell you how you're wrong, how you failed. That's what law does to yourself. When you have some standard that I'm not going to do this, God's not happy with me, or for somebody else. There are people in relationships sometimes, and they they start having conversation like, it'd be hard to please you because you have a standard no one can achieve. That sounds, you'll never get there. Of course they feel disappointed in themselves all the time. Of course you feel disappointed. It's law. That relationship is based on law. You do. Then I will love. Verse 10, that's a curse. Verse 10, verse 10. Uh, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. The moment you have a law, you are cursed to be perfect. And since you can't, you're constantly a failure. That is the I should, I should, I should. I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, She always feels like a failure. Where does that come from? It comes from the I should gospel. I have these, these things I'm not doing. God's always disappointed in me. I was talking to a guy one time. He says, my Bible reading became that. If I don't do Bible reading like I was taught every day and check the box, I just think God's, God's upset with me. I'm not pleasing him. That's a work. You read the, if you read the Bible, you draw your heart to him. That's awesome. That's love. If you're doing it because God's going to be upset with you, that's law. You'll feel like a failure. It'd be like, imagine if your best friend every day. Imagine if your best friend every day or, or your child. Every morning, your best friend texts you or your child comes to you and says, listen, I am such a failure and I know you don't care about me. I hope that you can give, you can, uh, I hope to do better today because I failed you time and time again and I can never please you, dad. I can never please you, mom. I can never please you, my best friend. But I'll tell you what, my best efforts, I hope to do this, this, and this today. I hope to do better. I'm gonna stop doing that and I'm gonna start doing that and I hope you can find it in your heart to love me and accept me. Then at the end of the day, your child comes back to you or your best friend comes to you. Okay, I I did this and this and this. I hope that earns me some love from you. And by the way, I failed here, so I probably don't deserve it. I'm an idiot anyway. So I I hope, but tomorrow, that is a relationship based on works. Like it would break a parent's heart if that's what a child thought. It would break a best friend's heart if that's how they viewed their relationship. It breaks God's heart. That is not grace. 
So that whole work, work, work is super hard. It destroys the hearts of people. Uh, so I'm going to introduce Andrea Harden. She's a writer. She's in our church. Her art form is the spoken word. This is awesome. She taps into, she wrote something, how it feels like to fail, 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 because you're living by, I should, I should, I should. Let's listen. I was raised to life. Christ paid my price. The ultimate sacrifice to live free indeed without the need to heed the laws that bind and shackle the mind. But now somehow I find myself paralyzed in time, trapped by my work, 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 works, and believing the lies designed to return me to the confines of the prison formerly known as mine, a.k.a. hell. Pray tell, words cannot define what it means to walk the line living both day and night and wrong and right and dark and light and death and life. I am stuck somewhere in between living on the seams of insanity, testing extremes, doubting Thomas, faith unseen. Always living and judging myself by my work, 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 works. So I volunteer all my time at church, representing Jesus as my homeboy with my trendy t-shirts, checking all the cliche boxes. Work, 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 work hard, pulling my own load like oxen. I'm here from the moment the doors open until they close. After all, everyone knows I'm doing my part. So Jesus, he really doesn't have to know my heart because he can clearly see that I am active and busy as a bee taking care of his plans for me. So I continue to live by my works, faithless, just like Thomas, always doubting, always work, 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 work my way to heaven. No rest for the weary, I only have seven. No time to waste to prove I deserve to be here in this undeserved space. Even though I was saved by his grace, his love embrace. He called to me and set me aside, but the struggle is real because I cannot divide myself out of the equation because minus the pride of my work, 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 works, I am nothing but dirt. But the good news is dirt. See, Dirt is okay. As a matter of fact, my creator prefers it that way. It's exactly how he puts his glory on magnificent display. So I stand before you today and pray. Stop putting your life on hold hitting snooze. Wake up, sleeper, and grab hold of the glorious good news and allow God your life to use. Well, that was awesome. And it was awesomely horrible because that's exactly how I feel when I'm living by that system. She did awesome. So, so um, here's my question for you. Am I living by, um, by I should or I believe? Now, what's funny about that question is that um, I, was, I was talking to Russell, uh, one of our pastors, and I told him this week I just felt like a failure. Because I, I was assaulted with fears all week, 
And I was like, I thought my faith was farther than that. I was disappointed in myself. And that statement is a work statement. I'm disappointed in myself. Are you kidding me? So even the question I'll ask you, am I living by I believe or I should? If you're guilt tripping yourself right now, that is not the response God wants. That's a works, that's a, that's a I should response. Imagine what, what parent, what best friend wants you to feel bad long enough before restoring the relationship. Well, you haven't felt bad long enough yet. I'm waiting. So this week, so I'm dealing with fears. And I thought about the commandment, do not fear. What the Bible says, do not fear. This is the most mentioned commandment in all the Bible. If you line them up, it's not the most important one. The most important one is love. Loving God, loving people. But do not fear. Do not fear. Is mentioned more than the other. So I, I tried to do that this week. I tried to obey the command by my own efforts. I'm not going to fear. Do not fear. You commanded it. You can't do that. Then I started thinking about the commands, do not fear. Everyone has a promise. It's where you start. If you do the command without believing the promise, there's no power. You believe the promise first. So I'll give you one example of that. It's Luke 12, verse 32. I think Luke 12, 32. Yep. Here's a command from Jesus. Do not fear. Now, that's not how he's saying it, but that's how I sometimes read it, right? Do, don't fear. Little flock, you're part of God's family. Do you really believe to your core that you're part of God's flock? That he's watching over you. He loves you. He cares for you. He protects you. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give, to give you the kingdom. Like if you really, why would we not fear? You have to believe the truth. It starts with, I'm in his flock. I believe that. And he is my dad. Lord, I believe that. I want you to picture the best dad possible. Best dad possible. Or the best mom possible. Whatever. Best dad possible. Um, Good God, don't think of your own parents. Think of a really good one. And good God, I don't want my kids. This is no joke. I don't want my kids thinking of me. I want them to think of a good parent, right? So, if God was like that imaginary good parent you're picturing, if you really believe that, how afraid would you be? If you really believe that, so I thought about another verse. I thought about, um, and don't beat yourself up. If you're beating yourself up, you're back in works. You're back in, I should. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. I should believe. I should believe? That's the wrong system. Uh, so First uh, John 4, I thought of this verse that says, perfect love cast out fear. And I, quote, I read this in our sermon review, and my new friend Jesse said, I was thinking of that verse. It's First John 4, 18, I guess. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. When you, uh, if you really believed that God loved you like he loves you, fear would leach out of you. That's what he says. Because fear involves torment, that troubled soul. He goes on, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So I thought about, I, I actually looked at this verse this week for myself, and then I went back two verses earlier and thought, there's the, there's the belief 
Why would we believe in God's love? It's verse 16. And we have known and believed. Do you live by I believe or I should? And it's not even I should believe. We have known and believed the love God has for us. That's why fear, it leeches away. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So I was with a... I was with our summer review team on Tuesday night. My new friend, Jessie, she's been a Christian. She's, she's Chinese. She's uh, been in, uh, a Christian for just one year. And she, she goes, Pastor Tim, I, I thought of those verses too. We talked about it. I said, could you please write your story? So I'm going to read her story to you. Uh, because she, as a Christian for one year, was dealing with this very topic in a relationship with a guy and her fears and what she, I should or is it I really believe. Here's her story. She wrote, I was struggling for a relationship. I was being controlled by my feelings, controlled by my moods. I met a person who was much younger than me. He was American. He was about to leave Springfield, but we liked each other. I wanted to change. And I wanted to know what God said about this situation. Then I found those verses on love. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drove away fear. I realized I was afraid but it was just like God talked to me. It is not love if I am filled with fear. God has the plan. God loves me. He would let me know what the right thing to do is. The fear was disappeared. When I believed in him from my heart, I felt free. And she told that story, and I just, she put those verses up around her and looked at those verses and believe those verses. It is one of those genius, genius, satanic tricks Satan ever plays to use your desire to be good and succeed and do well against you. To get you to turn away from grace to this gospel of I should do that, I should do that. I pray God opens your eyes. I pray you don't feel guilty. I pray you believe the truth about God. And live in his grace. Let's pray. Father, Dad, I ask you to help those who don't know Jesus and didn't understand a word of what I just said. Help them to at least understand your grace, your love, your gift, and to receive you as Savior. I pray for those who do know you as Savior. This is a, it's kind of a complex topic. But I pray they would live in the gospel, live in believing the truths about your grace. Let grace not be stolen away and help them not guilt themselves right now, but just truly believe the truth about you. I pray, set people free. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.